0: This is the JWN Podcast. My guest today is Carla Ogerson. Carla began her career in comedy while attending law school by working the door at the comic strip in New York City. The owner of the comic strip wouldn't let people working the door get on stage, but she was totally immersed in the world of stand-up comedy, seeing every type of act imaginable. She even met her future husband while working there years later she would sneak off and take comedy classes unbeknownst to anyone with the exception of her daughter now on top of being a defense attorney and a kick-ass mom her comedy career has become her passion and she's taking the world of comedy by storm please enjoy my conversation with carla Ogerson. during this pandemic i felt i felt like very stunted you know i think a lot of people are just kind of gripped by the anxiety Yeah, And I was like, man, I have the means to get this started. I might as well just, you know, the the technical part is easy for me. I might as well just get started. And I thought about the things I wanted to talk about. And I'm like, well, I just have a lot in common. I I love the idea of creativity in people's lives and try to find that common denominator in people. And uh, But it's weird because I'm coming at it now like, okay, I'm going to go gung-ho into this thing when uh, most of the people who are doing creative endeavors are now like, just put on the benches you know yeah it's super scary um thinking of all of the things that I love to do you know first thing and I haven't had any musicians on my podcast yet and and I've been holding out because I feel like it's going to be a very like close and dear to my heart and like a hard conversation to have with people on how they're dealing with that but I I think I'm getting to that point where I'm ready but your your creative outlet which is stand-up comedy It just can't exist right now. And it's, it's, how's that hitting you?
1: Well, well, it it exists and it doesn't exist at the same time, right? It's like Schrodinger's comedy, right? (laughs) Um, Because like, there are places, so I'm in New York and they're like, you're allowed to operate with a cabaret license here. So like Governor's Comedy Club is open-ish. Really? Yeah. And they have an outdoor space. They built an outdoor space. And inside their indoor space. I don't know if you've ever been there, but they have they have three clubs essentially, two in Nassau, one in Suffolk, and their big club holds I think about like two hundred and fifty, three hundred people. They're maxing it out at sixty people.
0: Ugh.
1: And but still they're getting they they have um socially distanced tables um in the outdoor space and that maxes out at eighty people and they're getting like eighty people, six fifty, sixty 70, 80 people regularly because I think people are comfortable being outside in an outside space. Yeah. Um, so that kind of led to a big, uh, I guess, some kind of like a, not big, but like some creation of outdoor bar shows, right? And then that got shut down like last week.
0: where uh, Governor
1: Cuomo said, you know, if you have a food and liquor license, that doesn't mean you can have a comedy show. That doesn't mean you can do any of this. You can't do it indoor. You can't do it outdoor. Can't do it with a box. Can't do it with a Fox. (laughs) It's not happening. So it kind of just shut down a lot. So, you know, it's interesting because I feel like everyone is kind of moving to like, uh, you know, even though there were already were a ton of podcasts, now everyone's moving more towards the podcast because you can do it on the phone. You can do it on zoom. You can record it, but you know, I think where, where it's going to is going to be, you know, a huge downsize in comedy. Because, like, if you think about, you know, the bigger acts, people that would, you know, sell out Madison Square Garden, right? Like a huge venue like that. That's not happening for a while. So those guys are going to be moving down into spaces that are going to necessarily eliminate a lot of, like, small, I guess, smaller headliners. Right. Are going to, you know, people who would, you know, have a door deal. Like what kind of a door deal are you going to have? If you used to get the money from having 300 people sell out. Now you're getting money from having 60 people or 80 people.
0: Wow. Yeah. And It's and, it, it's hard to listen to um, a lot of the comedians that are um trying to figure it out right now. You got, was it Burt Kreischer doing like drive-in movie theaters and, and, and things like that at, in Texas or something like that?
1: Yeah. Well, I just got hired for something like that. That's starting in September. Wow. That's the same thing, which I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but I was like, sure, let's give it a try. Cause they're going to do, they're going to have comics outside before movies. Yeah. So they're like, they're reaching out to people like, and they're trying to fit people in. Like, you know, you've been to one of my comedy shows. Obviously I can't go before a Disney movie. That's not going to work. No. You know? <laughs> but if they're, but Unless if they're doing Unless it's one like, of those pres-
0: old Disney movies that are no longer allowed to be shown and then you can laugh yeah, exactly. at it. You can make fun of it.
1: <laughs> um, you know, but I, I told them, I was like, hey, if you're doing like, you know, I don't know if they're, I think they're doing a combination of old and new movies. I'm like, if you're doing something that's, you know, got a lot of cursing, you know, maybe you throw me in front of Reservoir Dogs, maybe Pulp Fiction. That's going to work out well. That's going to be my, that's going to be my people.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, and it's, I, music is the same way. Like, my uh, my nephew, or Amy's nephew, really, my wife's nephew.
1: Love her, by the way. He,
0: he's a profe- He's a professional musician. Lives out in Nash- Nashville. Um, he plays like pop country type music. It does a lot of uh, bars and things like that. But he he plays usually draws you know a few hundred people every time he plays. And now he's playing to like you know forty people in it on a beach. Yeah. And it's. He's like, I- I've got this government unemployment. I've got some stimulus money, but that's, you know, that's running out and I don't know what's going to happen now. <laughs> and, and, uh, when you think of the people that this is their living, like, you're, you're still, you still have your day gig. Yeah. Right.
1: So I da- well, I downsized a lot of my day gigs. Um, Uh, I wasn't, I I guess I am still, I'm an attorney and I was a criminal defense attorney and I I kind of burned out on that. It was a lot. So I downsized it a lot. Um, and it was going really well until I got re-downsized, you know, coronavirus. And now I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't know how, you know, it was kind of the idea was to downsize one while the other one was growing. And now both of them are downsized. And, uh, at the same time, you know, the federal government's like, oh, you guys don't need this money anymore. And I'm like, um, uh, agree to disagree. Yeah, federal government.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird to think about. Well, you're in a, in a unique situation too because you, you have two children. Yeah. Uh, and you're, I guess, one of them is from your ex husband, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. he makes his living off of stand up comedy, so any kind of contribution he's been making is probably just completely taxed at this point now, too. Because he, how's he going to make any money?
1: Yeah, well, we were we were, I, I should say, it was a ever so slightly blessed that uh, my daughter decided she wanted to study film, and she was, you know, I recruited for the soccer team at Brooklyn College, so that was very affordable. Um, and the uh, the more the most expensive part of that was going to be the housing. The housing yeah. at um, these CUNY schools are very expensive. You know, essentially the same thing as living in in Manhattan, living in Brooklyn. You're just going to pay out the nose. And now there's not going to be housing. There's not going to be soccer. It's going to be online. So that worked out kind of well. Um, I have to believe, and I haven't seen it yet, but I have to believe that they're going to do something with financial aid with respect to, you know, parents who, I mean, what parents really haven't experienced a cut in their income from this. So they've got to, you know, extend financial aid, hopefully.
0: Yeah, they want these kids to come back once this... Mm-hmm. once this thing uh, becomes more manageable, I don't think it's ever going away. I think it's like Trump. It's uh, just going to stick around.
1: Oh, <laughs> I, you know, I just don't see, I don't, I don't see how, and I really don't, I don't get why we can't get this under control. I really don't. I really don't. Um, we, we, we all, well, we had, so we, I brought home coronavirus. <laughs> excuse me. I was the outbreak monkey, brought it home to my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spread it like wildfire because apparently I'm gross and I don't wash my hands. I don't know. It's everyone. But, uh, but after that, you know, we kind of, you know, we were told to quarantine, shelter in place, you know, whatever needed to be done. And we did. Right. And I know a lot of people did. I know New York's in a better situation than a lot of other states who didn't, you know, shut down, I guess.
0: I'll just the look the other way.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. South Carolina is doing great. <laughs> But now, now, and I said this on Memorial Day weekend, right? On Memorial Day weekend, I had to go to Long Beach for something. And I'm seeing people, you know, just like it's been every other year, block parties, streets are shut down. I'm seeing, you know, chairs at these block parties, socially distanced, right? All the chairs are socially distanced, but they're all empty. And everyone's sitting, standing, I should say, talking with the, the mask, you know, Around their chin. Mm-hmm. And Your I'm like, Gu- guys, guys, what are we all doing? <laughs> what are we all doing? Like, we just, we're just being liberated. At least throw the mask on. And look, I get that wearing the mask sucks. And you get the mustache sweat. And I've got the mask me. You know, it, it sucks. Is it my favorite thing? No. Is it, who is this? Who? I don't understand why you feel so strongly about this. Anybody. Like, you don't want to wear a mask? All right, like I don't want to wear a seatbelt sometimes, but I
0: put the fucking thing on. Yeah. Well, the the I'm, weird the weird thing is is okay, I'm I'm in the south and and they take uh anything, any kind of laws telling you what to do, they they take it as like an affront. You know, there's no you, you could ride a motorcycle down here without a helmet. There's no helmet laws. But at least with a helmet law, you know what? If you want to commit suicide, go ahead, do it. But this is, you know, affecting other people. But what we've seen is the hot spots are the big cities, you know, Charleston, Greenville, uh, Columbia, all of those places. We got this huge uptick uh, about a month or so ago, and they enforced mask laws. Because of that, we're seeing the numbers starting to come down again, because people are actually, when you go to a store, people are wearing masks People are taking a little bit more seriously. Even the people who were like, never masks. I'm not going to do that. They're actually wearing masks now. Because people won't let them in their stores if they're not. So that's kind of... It, it's proving to them that it's going to work. My fear is that when they see the numbers go down, they go like, we don't need these masks. And they just tear them off and it goes right back up again.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's literally what's happening here. That's exactly what's yeah, happening
0: here. And it's, it, you, can, you can see what's going to happen. But we have these countries like Japan or New Zealand. Like these are people that took it very seriously, and now they don't have a problem. They they can go to nightclubs. They can go to see live uh, performances, music, fi- uh, dance. They can go see films. Whatever it is, they've got all that stuff back because they all made the sacrifice, and they still take it seriously. Ah, we're just we're we're living in a weird time.
1: So people like, and it's not just the South, it is everywhere because, Uh you know, there's a lot of that going on here. Like they want to, they want to lose their minds about wearing a mask and the government can't tell me what to do. But since when can the government not tell you what to do? You can't drive drunk. Whose idea was that?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. You can't, you have to wear a seatbelt. I'm sure that wasn't a, you know, that wasn't a grassroots decision. You got to pay taxes. I'm sure that wasn't our decision either. We didn't choose that. Right. Like, (laughs) they've been, they tell us what to do. That's literally all they do is tell us what to do. That's literally their only function is to tell us what to do and what not to do. But even the
0: example to be set, the leadership, all they needed to do was set the example. They didn't even have to say, hey, you have to wear a mask. They should have just said, you should wear a mask, and they should have been seen wearing masks. The amount of people who support, the current president, which is still mind numbingly that anyone at this point is still supporting him, but they're they're out there. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Um, the amount of them that decided they were okay with wearing masks after he decided to be seen in public with wearing a mask was like 58% decided, oh, they're okay with wearing masks now, which goes to show you all it takes is like just an ounce of leadership. Just set a good example. And it, we're asking for a lot.
1: I, I, I really, I, I feel like <laughs> is that a good example.
0: Exactly, I mean, <laughs> I'm asking for a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but even here, we, you know, our governor is is he is just laughably an ignorant person, and it's it's scary. It's scary whenever he would speak and have a press conference during this whole thing. You, it was like you were watching the end of the world. Like, if you had a cartoon character of the worst person to have as your governor, his name is Governor McMaster. <laughs> it's just, whereas Cuomo, as much as you guys probably are annoyed as at him, he's at least doing, he, he's trying everything he can in his power to get this thing under control. And you guys went from the worst to one of the best places.
1: Like, I, I actually don't have a problem with anything that Cuomo does. And, and here's why. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, really. I'm just, like, I'm a bit all over the place. I'm definitely way left of, of Democrat. But but here's my, my take on Cuomo is, you know, what are the other options, right? He's doing, he's you know, at this point, most of our leadership is and should be throwing anything at the wall and see what sticks, Right. Masks, gloves. You know, stay inside. Don't go out. Close the schools. I don't know. Close this. Close that. Don't don't do this. Shut down the subway. You know, clean the subway. Clean the Long Island Railroad. You know, don't let people in. Don't let people out. We've never dealt with anything like this before. So you know, I feel like we got to give we got to give them a huge huge leeway to figure out how to do something. Yeah, we can't complain that they don't have a plan of action for something we've never seen before.
0: Right. Or if they make a mistake, you can't call if them frauds. Mistake, yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you know what Yeah, like, oh, he allowed the, you know, terminal COVID patients to be put into nursing homes. Okay, you know, now we're seeing, you know, now we're also seeing some, I've read some articles, some evidence that putting people on a respirator was maybe not the best idea. Yeah. All right, maybe that's the best idea. Okay, so is everyone going to now across the board, shit all over doctors. Right. Like, we haven't seen this before. We're trying, you know, we're trying this, we're trying that, we're trying to keep people alive. You know, they're having trouble breathing, we think respirator. If that wasn't the way to go, now we're not going to maybe do something different. We're trying the, you know, malaria drugs, we're trying antibiotics, we're trying steroids, we're trying. Right. You know, we haven't seen this before, so there's no treatment. It's not the common cold, it's not the flu, it's not you know, it's not something we've seen before. So we're work with us. And that's why, you know, when people are like, oh, Cuomo this and Cuomo that. I'm like, what do you want him to do? What what book do you want him to refer to that we that we had? We don't have anything. There's no go to manual. There's nothing. There's just figure it out. So he's trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And and it, it upsets me that people don't use any common sense with certain things about trying to figure it out. You know, at the beginning of this when they were saying don't wear masks or anything like that. They weren't saying that to say uh, masks aren't effective. They were trying to protect the supply. Uh, Does anyone remember how hard it was to get toilet paper when this all started? Yeah. Now, imagine you're a doctor and you can't, or a nurse, and you can't get a face mask because Billy Bob down the street decided he was going to buy up every face mask on Amazon.com because he, you know, is more valuable than... The people who are actually fighting this thing in the front lines. So, so like to 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 act like oh the CDC and the World Health Organization said don't use masks. It's like yeah because they needed them for the people who needed them the most until we can get it under control. Like let's use a little common sense here. But
1: also, who wants to go with a maybe? Like they're saying maybe yeah. the masks aren't as good as we thought. Well, but maybe they are. So why not just put on the mask? They're not saying. You know, nobody's saying, well, if you, if you remove your kidney by yourself, if you self-remove your kidney, you'll probably not get, you know, coronavirus, but maybe you will. It's not, that, it's not that hard. You're not doing anything except throwing a piece of fabric on your face. Yeah. I mean, people wear condoms to not get chlamydia, which is treatable.
0: <laughs> well, let's not, let's not compare that because there are a lot of people who <laughs> should be wearing condoms that just keep spitting out kids.
1: Yeah, but there's no anti-condom movement. Nobody's like, fuck these condoms. Oh, am I allowed to curse? I don't know. Yes, of
0: course. <laughs> oh. Can you Nobody's imagine?
1: Like, down with condoms. How dare they? How dare they tell me that I don't want to have chlamydia and I don't want to have herpes. I want it. It's mine. It's my God-given right. It's my
0: choice. There are people out here who stand in front of uh, Planned Parenthood who probably think condoms are also evil. So... We have, we have, we live in a, we live in the, the price we pay for the freedom that we, the freedom that we have, we pay the price of having to like give everybody that freedom. And sometimes you, you just scratch your head. We're living in such strange times that normally all of this news that's going on, like the New York Times is basically saying, hey, there's aliens and, and we have proof. Like there, there's physical out of this world Aircraft that the government has, and there's proof of it, and everyone's like, and it's like on the you know 18th page, like nobody even cares.
1: (laughs) Like, like, look, I think that nobody cares about you know the aliens. I don't. I think no one cares because they all realize that you know our planet has become such a shithole that they're not coming here. They came here. (laughs) They
0: probably were here and left.
1: (laughs) They were here, and they were like, oh, oh no, no, and we shot them down. (laughs) Yeah, and they were like, yeah, don't go back there. It's a bad neighborhood. If you're going to go through there, you should probably lock your doors, close the windows. So you don't want to be there. Trust me. It's just, it's not.
0: You don't want to go there. Those mo- those motherfuckers don't even wear masks when they go outside. Fuck that yeah. planet.
1: They're just spraying germs all over the place. They don't want to wear condoms. They don't want to wear masks. It's, you don't want it. Just go yeah. somewhere else. I hear, I hear They could
0: read our minds, and they were like, fuck yeah. no. They're
1: like, Pluto is nice this time of year. Go there. There, there's nice. That's nice. <laughs> Man, uh, let's let's go. Let's talk
0: about how you got into this whole comedy thing. So, I want to. I'm going to talk for a minute here, just because I I, I want to establish for people who don't know how I know you. Oh yeah, uh, we went to high school together, and yes, we did. I don't know. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure about how you got into Holy Child. I know I got in there on a scholarship and grant money. There's no way my family could afford to send me to that school because there was like 22 kids in our graduating class. uh, And it was definitely a strange experience for me. And I'm a white guy. I'm a white man. So
1: I was also one of the poor kids. Okay. So so it was was like you,
0: me, Kamala, (laughs) and like Natalie Ellivert, I think.
1: Yeah. Right, so the school was, I think, small enough that, like, you could, you know, identify the diversity, right? If they said it was 2% African-American, that was Kamala and uh, Natalie. And then when they said it was 2% Hispanic, that was me and Rochelle, and that's it,
0: right? <laughs> oh, man, I think I think I went on a date with Rochelle Fernandez once. Did mm. you? I, yeah,
1: she was She's beautiful. Hot. She's, hot. She's hot. I mean, as I shouldn't hell. say was.
0: She is beautiful. She um, is beautiful. Yeah, I think I might have been, like, batting out of my league there. So so we both went to school at this very private school. And I honestly never felt like I didn't feel that I was a poor kid until maybe senior year when I was still I fe- on the meal plan.
1: <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was a poor kid because like everybody's pulling up in like, you know, a a, a BMW, a brand new Jeep You know, Mm -hmm. my dad's Mercedes, you know, my dad's old Mercedes. He doesn't want it anymore. It's two years old. Gross. Um, You know, that was when I kind of felt like I was the poor kid. I was like, oh, I really am a poor kid. Like, I didn't think I was, which is interesting also, like, looking back on it, um, when you think about, like, okay, like, where we grew up compared to where, you know, the situation that other people might have had, like... We weren't the poor kids. Yeah, we were, just we the poor were in, in this
0: school. If we were in public school, we would have been completely middle class, or we would have been yeah. towards the top of the class, possibly.
1: Yeah.
0: Or you know, but in that school, we were, we were kind of like the token people. Yeah,
1: like because we didn't. I didn't have my own horse. Yeah, and you know.
0: And I, I'll tell you what the the worst thing that I ever... and I still they're, they they had this thing called sports night every year. Yeah. And. They'd separate the school into two teams, uh, white and blue, and in my yeah. senior year, I was in charge of the mural, and I was on the white team, and Nina Malik was the captain, I believe, and I dropped out when I realized, I I quit. I like just walked off the sports team. and I just completely gave up, and I I still regret. This is one of those things I feel awful to this day because I was so embarrassed because there was no room in my house to actually put the mural. It was like I had no, there was not enough square footage at any point in my My house was 1100 square feet over four floors. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't a big <laughs> house. And, and I was like, I can't put this mural, I can't even paint like in squares. I wouldn't even know what to do with it. I'm supposed to invite people over to help me over with this, help me out with this. I was mortified and I was just like, now nah, I'm, just, I'm just gonna act like a stoner and quit. And um, I, I, I've always kind of wanted to reach out to Nina and explain it to her. Cause I remember she was just like, well, we'll just do it at my house. And I, And I'm like, I don't even have a ride to get there. Like, what are you gonna come pick me up? <laughs> like it was, that was when I felt, I was a poor kid. I was like, oh.
1: I had a lot of that too because I didn't have a car and I was, I was in Uniondale, right? So I was in, I was in not a good school district. So I left Kellenberg um, and my mom really wanted me to go to Holy Child and I think, you know, I think it was like a combination of loans and then to be honest, she still owed money when I graduated. She didn't pay it until like two years later. She wasn't done paying it off. So you know, for my mom, it was really, like, a big deal that she wanted me to go to a better school. She, you know, Kellenberg had changed up some of their, you know, some of their options. I was, I used to be smart for, like, a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, there weren't, you know, AP classes were being canceled. And, like, you know, there wasn't Latin. And there was all this stuff that, you know, it, it shouldn't have mattered. You know, my mom was like, this, this is important. You know, I'm a first-generation American, you know, so for my mom, it was important that, you know, I, I go to a good school. I go to a good college. Like this was, you know, yeah. this was it. So she wanted me to go there. She wanted me to go there. It was too late for me to get financial aid. We definitely couldn't afford it. I think my mom took out, may have taken out a private loan for for some of it. And then, like I said, owed money, you know, by the time I was, I graduated. And I, I, I really didn't, I didn't feel like it was a big deal. Yeah. Until like, you know, somewhere in senior year where everybody was you know, going to um, Kitchen Cavalry for lunch and spending $25 on lunch.
0: Oh my goodness, yes.
1: (laughs) And I was like, wait, like you just do that? You just spend, my mom was like giving me $25 for lunch. Are you people crazy?
0: Yeah, and there was a weird situation there though because I think the teachers were so, and we know that, I know this now in my adulthood, how good the teachers were because we're still friends with them. Like mm-hmm. They still communicate with us on Facebook and, and email. And I get text messages from our old principal, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's in a, you know, I'm in my forties now and I'm still like getting this kind of influence from my high school teachers. So it, it, we did get a lot from that, that we didn't know at the time beyond and beyond like the experience of being in this kind of rich elite school Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some benefits to it, and I think it probably showed up for you at least later on in life. When, when you are becoming a self starter type of person, you're you're an entrepreneurial type of person, um, and, and I think a lot of that might have been instilled partially, or at least um, you know some gas was thrown on the fire while you were at that school. So yeah, no,
1: I don't have any complaints about the school in and of itself. I don't even right. really have very many complaints about the people i mean i i have i will say like i i experienced i think my i would say my first like do do you call it racism if it's because i'm hispanic because i'm I'm fairly white i'm pretty white i'm you know (laughs) i'm white (laughs) so if it's racism it's something you know and i i can i remember exactly what it was I, i talk about it a lot actually um And it was that girl, um, that unfortunate-looking girl, uh, Lauren.
0: (laughs) spur Yeah.
1: That's the only way you could say her last
0: name, by the way.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And we were in that social justice class. Yeah? Does that ring a bell? Was that... It was like whatever religion was.
0: Oh, okay. It
1: wasn't wasn't religion anymore. It it wasn't called religion anymore. It was called something else.
0: All right. Yeah.
1: And they were talking about... So, it was theology. I thought it was called social justice, but I might be wrong. Maybe we we're doing a social justice chapter. I don't know. And out of nowhere, like, she starts talking about, like, well, if, I forget what her example was, but she goes, well, it's not like we're in a third world country, like Colombia. And she just looked right at me. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs>
0: She was one of the people in that school, her and Frank Smookler, who looked like they stepped off of uh, the DVD cover or a VHS cover, I guess, at the time of like any 80s movie of playing like the bad preppy person.
1: Yeah, like a popped up collar and like
0: mm-hmm. sweater tied around their neck. Yeah. Yeah. They were. They were, and they acted the part, and it was, it was kind of, it was almost comical. Like, I always was amused by how, like, unreal it was. Like, this is a real person. Like, this isn't just a caricature of, like, that privileged type of person. They really existed, and they were so, like, they were so two dimensional.
1: (laughs) Not all of them, though. (laughs) <laughs> I think at one point she either said or started a rumor that my parents were in the, the he- like in a drug cartel. <gasps> oh yeah, and I was like, in my head, I was like, well, if my parents were in a drug cartel, maybe you shouldn't be so loose with your mouth.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah, she Isn't was... that
1: like you know? Isn't that well? Hasn't that been well established by many many movies? Like, did you not see Scarface? Maybe you don't fuck with the kid whose parents are in the drug cartel, dummy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you keep your mouth shut. Maybe you don't, you know, you don't drop bombs like that thinking you're safe. Um,
1: yeah. And then she also asked me one time if I eat tacos at home and I'm like, yeah, I eat tacos at home. Like, doesn't everyone eat tacos? <laughs> what,
0: what is like, Tuesday just co- a day for you?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's literally an entire chain devoted to tacos. Have you never heard of Taco Bell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm sure I'm not the only one who eats tacos at home. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that. I don't know uh, what that
1: has to do with my ethnicity. I thought everyone loves tacos. Who doesn't fucking love tacos?
0: There there was a couple of those people. There was a couple in that clique of people who surprised me um, when they had family trouble. I'm not going to name names on on any of this kind of stuff, but when they had family troubles and they like reached out to me because they knew I came from like a broken family, just to kind of get some advice on how to cope with it. And and I was that was like I was like oh oh they they they're okay. They have the same problems that you and I, it doesn't matter that they were born into some sort of like privileged life. They still are struggling. And it made me see some of them in a different light, (laughs) you know? So it was, it was a weird learning experience. It it was honestly like going to school in a John Hughes movie at some.
1: Yeah, it really was.
0: Yeah. It it was, it was fun. Um, because of the, 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 the leniency that you did get, from being there,
1: yeah,
0: you know, being able, being able to like go for a smoke break in the principal's office. I don't know if you ever got to do that.
1: No, I wasn't smoking yet.
0: Oh, see, yeah. Yeah. We used to get invited to go smoke in her office, which is so <laughs> like, if that happened now, she would be like, so arrested. <laughs> she was the best. Yeah. Um, it
1: really was like pretty and black tartan plaid.
0: Yeah. It, it was an odd place. And it's, what are you going to do but so here's here's where I wanted to I wanted to steer it into your comedy career from that's how we met each other through high school um and of course like years later you people get connected through Facebook and things like that yeah and um i was a huge fan of like talk radio when i was working and stuff i would listen to ron and fez was probably my favorite of all the talk radio shows yeah um ron bennington is is just He's he's an amazing uh radio personality. Yeah. And uh his kind of adopted son at a certain point, probably in what mid two thousand like I guess 2010s, twenty tens, uh, twenty early twenty teens maybe. Yeah.
1: He well became, like, I would say no, like early two thousands, like two thousand
0: two on. Well he became like two thousand he he like adopted your husband.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Basically. So yeah and I had I did not put it together. Like I didn't even think about it. Even when he would come on 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 the radio and they would talk about like relationships and he'd say, "Yeah, my wife Carla." And I'm just not even thinking like, "Oh, Carla's last name is Okerson. This is Big J Okerson talking about his wife Carla. Maybe they're the same person." I'm just so brain dead and like non you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm so the, the type of person that shit like that goes right over my head until I f- like realized it. I think it was maybe when you were doing a, a roast of him and I was like, holy shit, that's Carlo Camiso. <laughs> 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 Somehow, did you meet him because you were a fan of comedy and you saw him at a comedy? What was the, how did you get into comedy?
1: Okay. So I was always a fan of comedy. I would, you know, I, I, my mom was a single working parent, so I would come home from school. Um, I would watch a lot of TV. I used to watch the MTV half hour comedy hour. Um, this was before comedy central existed. I was super into stand-up comedy. I used to, you know, watch it obsessively. I used to, lo- obsessively. I used to love Richard Jenny. Um, you know, that, that was like my thing. I loved it. I lo- I know this is like, this is probably like, um, unpopular to say now but like Bill Cosby I loved as far as long as I can remember
0: oh I had the vinyl records you know? when I was a kid like before yeah, I, I mean, even I mean my grandmother
1: yeah exactly like young young I was you know Bill Cosby you know Parenthood Parenthood yeah mm-hmm. yeah um like I used to watch the the VHS tapes all the time you know there was a point in time where I probably had it memorized and then you know Saturday night Live I loved loved Saturday night Live um, I was allowed to stay up and watch it you know it was you know, something that I just was kind of part of me. And I ended up while I went to NYU, I got a job at the comic strip, right? Which I don't know why I never tried the comedy seller, but I ended up getting a job waitressing at the comic, at the comic strip. Right. And I worked there for a long time. Um, it was, I, it was a different, it was a different sort of job. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of hard to get away from. I don't know if you've ever worked, you know, as like, a in like the serve, like as a waitress or, I mean, as a waiter, but if you have a, yeah, if you have a good job, like waiting tables, you can make a lot of money and it's all cash. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's kind of hard to get away from. And it's pretty easy, you know, like at the time, you know, at the heyday of the comic strip, they had three sold out shows Friday night, three sold out shows Saturday night. And if, you know, if I left a weekend at the comic strip and made less than $600, I would be, I would be pissed. Yeah. Wow. You know, and and it was college age and I'm college age. Now I wasn't, you know, drinking, I wasn't going out, I wasn't doing all this stuff. I did that like early on. Then I got this job and then like, I didn't have weekends anymore because like, why, like, why would I want to turn down this money? You know, I was just making money. So I was working there still like, you know, loved comedy, loved comedy. Um, at one point I debated, you know, I wanted to start doing comedy. This is, you know, pretty early on the manager at the time. Of the co- the manager and Booker of the comic strip had a rule that you couldn't do comedy and work there. You wow. could either work there or you could do comedy, but you couldn't do both.
0: Which comedy is the opposite of a lot of comedy clubs, right?
1: Yeah, it is the opposite of a lot of comedy clubs. These are his rules, right? Um, and at the time, I was making a lot of money, so I, you know, was like, I'll, I'll back burner it, right? Fine. So I met Jay there. I met Jay when he, you know, was still living in Philly. He was just come starting to come up to New York. He was you know, brand spanking new in comedy, probably like a year in, maybe max two years in, which for comedy is like, you know, you're a fetus, a comedy fetus. And, you know, I, I met him and, you know, we started dating and he would drive up from, from Philly every day. And at one point, you know, he started talking about moving to New York and we were already in a relationship. So we were like, let's move in together. That'll be, you know, that'll be great. And, you know, we'll be together And we'll, you know, not have to pay so much rent And it'll be fantastic, right? So we get our first apartment together Living with Kurt Metzger, was our roommate <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right
1: <laughs> So now, you know, now we have our apartment And, you know, now, you know, we're living together And this goes right back to the condom story I got pregnant <laughs> And, uh, you know, shortly thereafter I gave birth to my uh, beautiful daughter, Isabella and I continued to work at the comic strip and I was in law school. I went to law school and again, you know, there's, you know, it's one of those things that you keep backburnering it and backburnering it. And it was like, now that was kind of Jay's thing. And I had to work and we had a child. So I was kind of supporting the household for a really long time. Right. So I was like comedy peripheral for forever, for, for, you know, 20 years, probably before I started doing comedy, I was wow. comedy peripheral. Then, um, you know, then, uh, you know, Jay decided, well, yeah, I guess, you know, he, he, he'd long since decided that he was going to cheat on me. That was kind of his hobby. It was, you know, <laughs> really, he excelled at it. And
0: Traveling comedian. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knew,
1: right? Who would have thunk it? Um, but at some point, you know, it just kind of went as far as it was going to go. And, you know, he left me for somebody that he was cheating on me with. And that wasn't the, you know, that wasn't the best part of my life. But now I'm, now I'm more distant from comedy and I really missed it. I really did. And then I, uh, you know, still following everyone's career. I was, I would say on and off, if you want to talk about it, writing, like just writing down things that I thought that I thought were funny, you know, and in the back of my mind for a long time, I really thought that, um, our family would make a great sitcom right and this was even before i started doing comedy i still thought it would make a great sitcom uh you know you have a lawyer wife a comedian husband and you know isabella just has always had a really really great sense of humor she's always been really quick and really sharp and uh more than a little bit mean you know (laughs) (laughs) which side of the family does that come from both <laughs> nice and you know she was raised around patrice o'neill so she just got it from everywhere it was oh. n- nature nurture she gets it from everywhere right so you know even very early on she would just say things that were hilarious like her take on situations were really funny like the situations that we would end up with would be funny and i thought it would make you know for a good sitcom so it was just kind of in the back of my head i'm always like writing notes that you know at some point you know we'll 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 write this up or somebody will write this up and i'll throw them my notes and you know Maybe I'll get a writing credit or a producer credit. Right. So fast forward now, we're separated. Uh, Jay and I go to war for about a year. We're at war. And then we just kind of both decided we were tired of it. Um, I just don't have the personality to be at war forever. I know some people want to, you know, be at war with their ex-spouse for, you know, the rest of their lives. I don't have it in me. I'm just too lazy. Yeah, and you I'm got a kid in between. To stay angry that yeah. Long. Yeah.
0: yeah, and there's a kid in between who's going to love mm-hmm. e- each of you in different ways. So it's like, well, there's yeah, only so- one loser in that battle if you if you continue it.
1: Mm-hmm. So we just kind of, you know, now we're at peace. And um, I get asked to do Jay's roast, right? So I get asked to do Jay's roast. I roast Jay on the Kumia network.
0: Was that, and- okay, was that before... You started doing comedy that was like your first taste of like
1: I was literally like if you want to talk about my first time on stage that was my first time on stage
0: so uh, that's hysterical yeah that, all right that is really funny because you just because you knew everybody in the room just yeah from I knew working everyone there. as a waitress yeah
1: yeah and everyone knew me and you know nobody really thought I was it was somewhat of a surprise to most people there on um, that I was even gonna do it and you know it went well. And after it after it came out, I got you know kind of a huge, yeah, you know, like I mean a pretty big influx of social media followers, right? And I'm not the best gatekeeper. You know, I have like all the weird Indian guys are on you know all my pages. I don't. I don't really care. I just, all these weird, all these weirdos. I just let everybody in, and then you know sort them out later. But some people started messaging me, and they were like, "Oh, we thought you were really funny. You know, we didn't realize you were a comedian." Um, where can we see more of your stuff? Do you have a YouTube channel? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I was like, no, no, <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> you can and see then, me at uh, this court when I am uh, defending yeah, exactly. this guy who friggin' did some dumb shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then I, uh, I, uh, I started talking uh, like often on on Messenger or whatever to uh, a guy who was like a big, a huge podcast comedy lover, right? So he Rogan, you know, your mom's house. Gangs, everything he loved all the podcasts and he messages me one day uh because this is actually kind of hilarious he 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 moved to italy for a year for some reason and he likes some chick there so he messages me for for love advice and he says you know and i quote i just want you to help me do this like how did you and jay make your love blossom when you didn't speak any english and he didn't speak any spanish and i was like what the fuck are you talking about I'm like, what? <laughs> you
0: probably spoke better English than Jay does.
1: I did. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, when did I not speak English? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just kind of like, I was like, listen, I'll give you whatever chick advice you want, but I don't know how to make you communicate with someone you can't communicate with. I speak English. I was born here, racist. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn middle America. <sighs> um, and uh, so, he just, you know, in conversation, he was like, you know, again, same thing. Like, I really enjoyed you on the roast, you know, blah, 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 comedy. And I was like, yeah, I don't do comedy. And he was like, oh, why not? You just, it's not something you're interested in. And, was, and I'm like, no, I'm super interested in it. I've always wanted to do it. Um, you know, I, I sometimes write things down that are funny and it's really, you know, just kind of been something I've always loved and I've always wanted to do it. And he was like, so why don't you? Right. And it was like, I don't literally no one, I never even asked myself. Like at this point, like, like, why don't you like you? I could have, I could have done both at any point in time. Right. Yeah. Once I left the comic strip, I could have, you know, started doing comedy. I could have, I could have at any point in time. And he was like, well, I don't understand why. If you never did, why don't you now? And I was like, oh, well, isn't that an interesting question to ask? And for me to ask myself. And I kind of, I really did kind of like take over my mind for probably a good week. Where, you know, it's like every, I feel like every time I wasn't thinking about anything actively, it kind of would just, like, pop into my head, like, well, why don't you? Like, and finally, it was like, literally, what's the worst, what's the absolute worst that could happen? Right? Like, I suck at it, and, you know, I don't do it. I'm already not doing it. Right? So I literally come back to not doing it, and everything's exactly the same. Um. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I, uh, at first, I was on Long Island. Jay was in the city. I kind of did it... This is actually one of my favorite comedy, you know, excerpts excerpts. I'm on Long Island, I don't know anything about Long Island comedy. There's like a whole there's like a whole weird comedy subculture, if you wanna call it on Long Island. It's kind of Long Island comedy likes to pretend like New York City isn't twenty five minutes away. <laughs> right. <laughs> But there's a whole subculture of, like, you know, shows and clubs and and open mics and all this stuff, and I I don't know how to get into it, right? So I did what I actually don't usually recommend people do, which is I decided to enroll in a comedy class, right? And uh, I figured I would meet people, make connections, and then decide where I'm going to go from there, right? The reason why I don't, like, I, I don't have anything against people who teach comedy classes, but in my experience and, you know, watching other people also in my class. They do a lot of writing for you, and I already had things that I wanted to say. So for me, it was great because I was ultimately, you know, I could be forceful enough to say, like, no, I don't want you to write for me some, you know, some goofy, like, mom joke. I have my own stuff that, I'm, that I want to talk about. I have my own stuff. Like, I've written some of this stuff down. You know, I have my own life experience that I think is funny. You know, and so it was helpful to me, but I think a lot of people that went there ended up with, you know, some cookie cutter, like you come in and you're, you know, you're the angry housewife and you're, you know, the disgruntled teenager and you're, you know, the angry black comic. And, you know, it's like not everybody, you know, necessarily fits into that cookie cutter mold when you see them and what they want to talk about.
0: You know, it's funny. So, uh, I'm going to interject for one second. I have a client because he he uh, he messaged me this morning. This the only reason it popped in my head. He's he's a uh, he's a lawyer, and I remember him telling me he t- he went to a comedy class. He took like comedy lessons uh, to learn how to have better timing and more confidence when he was in trial.
1: Yeah, so he so went to a comedy like,
0: class to learn how to be a yeah, better lawyer.
1: Which I think some people some some people some comics actually really hate that about comedy classes. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I tell people to take improv classes to think on their feet faster. You know, if you, if you, if you feel like, you know, sometimes you don't, can't think of what to say until, you know, two hours after your conversation, job interview, argument, whatever it is, an improv class kind of trains your brain a different way. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but some people don't like that. And I think that's why a lot of people frown on comedy classes because they're like, oh, it's, it's full of people that don't, don't even want to be comics. It's like, well, who cares? Comedy is full of people that don't even want to be comics. You could say that about every you know? subject,
0: by the way. Yeah, in college.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and aside from that, so is comedy. They, like, there's so many comics that, like, you know, it's it's like a uh, people are in and then they're out and then they come back and then they quit and then you know they open a club and they never want to do comedy again and then people are in it for 30 years or 40 years or 50 years and they retire and they never made any money or they made a ton of money and now they're movie stars. Like, it's that's it's the same with every profession.
0: But I think right? you you described it perfectly. I don't know if you meant to describe it, but there's there's was a string pulling at your heart, saying you need to do this. Yeah, yeah.
1: So so I go in the class, and uh, you know, Jay's. You know, if you if you were comments, like Jay, might not be a household name in the way that you know Eddie Murphy is, and Kevin Hart, and you know, um, Bill Cosby, you know, Roseanne Barr. You know, but if you are a fan of comedy, you know who Jay is, right? Oh, yeah. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. So I go in and I'm like undercover as Carla Camiso, right? Like my alias going in as Carla Camiso. I'm doing my thing and it's going to be great. And so I forget what the comedy class cost. I'm, let's just say it cost 300 bucks, right? I come in the first day. Um, I hadn't made the payment, you know, and I had whatever on me, 150 bucks in cash, 200 bucks, whatever it was, Right. So I give them the money and I'm like I'll bring you the rest in cash and they were like great you want to pay with a card and I'm like no I'll bring you cash everybody loves cash fine. So then we get to almost the end of the class and there's like a show, right? That's, you know, like your graduation show and I'm not promoting shit at this point nothing, nothing. I haven't told anybody. The only person who knew was Isabella. She was way in, she was super excited. Um I've been taking improv classes for about like 6 or 7 years at this point and I didn't tell anybody about that either. Wow.
0: Um
1: because like improv, you know, like improv is like the retarded cousin of comedy, right? Like, comics hate improv. So it was just going to get, you know, Jay was going to mock me, everybody was going to make fun of me, and I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> right, so so here we are, and it's like three class. there's like three classes left, so like three weeks left in the class, and I still haven't brought in money, and I keep forgetting to bring in cash, and finally, I'm like, oh, you know what, let me just give you a card, because I'll forget, I'll keep forgetting, I just, I don't want you guys to like think I'm not trying to pay you, so I just give them the card, I'm not thinking, right? I give them my card and the guy, you know, Rich Walker, who I love, very funny comic who teaches a class, grabs my card, turns around, takes four steps and then turns back around. <laughs> <laughs> I sees the card name. Yeah. And he goes, this card says Carla Okerson," And I'm like, yeah, yeah no, like, I know. Like I, it's whatever. Um, just like, it's my card. Like I can show you ID if you want. Like it's my card. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, are you married to Jay Okerson? And I was like, yeah, but you know, it's like complicated. And, you know, I, I just, and he's like, does he not know that you're doing this? I'm like, well, actually, nobody knows that I'm doing this. Right. So then, like, it becomes a whole thing after the class where, you know, him and, and, and Peter Bales and the other, they're all discussing whether it makes sense for me to go with Carla Okerson or Carla Camuso. Now it's starts to do a thing. And they were like, we think you should just go with Carla Okerson. Fuck it. Just do it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? So I'm still pretty much undercover at this point, because like I said, I'm not really promoting anything. Like nobody really knows anything. And, uh, I don't remember what the situation was that we were supposed to do as a, as a family on the day of this show, we were supposed to do something that was like being planned. And so we're sitting, you know, with Jay and we're talking and he's like, Oh, well, you know, next Thursday, you know, we have to blah, blah, blah. So, you know, we'll meet at X time and we'll go do it. And, uh, Isabella and I just kind of like catch eyes and she's like, oh, well, you know, she's little right at the time. She's like 13 and she's like, oh, well, that day's not great because I have to. And she's like, you know, I could see her like the wheels are turning. She's trying to come up with an excuse. And uh, I'm like, I'm not going to make her lie, you know, it's not necessary. I was like, I I actually have something to do. I'm like, I have something to do that day. And he's like, well, can you move it? Because, uh, you know, this is like the most convenient day for me. And I'm like, I, I I really can't. And he's like, well, What do you have to do? And I'm like, uh, whatever, some things that I have to do on the you know on the day. And he's like, I don't understand. And he's looking at me and Isabella being like super sketchy. And he's like, What? Like what am what am I missing here? Like very clearly, you got there's something going on. And then I was like, All right, fine. You know, like I took a comedy class, and it's my comedy show. It's my graduation show, and I didn't want anyone to know about it and you know whatever i'm like you can laugh at me if you want i don't care i'm gonna do it anyway i don't give a shit i'm like you know you don't own comedy you're not the king of comedy or the president of comedy I do comedy if i want <laughs> and he was like all right first of all settle down <laughs> um uh, second of all he's like i don't know why you wouldn't like tell me and like why are you hiding this like there's no reason to hide it he, and he said essentially the same thing i was thinking he's like what's the worst that happened He's like, you bomb, everyone bombs, either you keep doing it or you don't, or, you know, it goes well and you keep doing it and it's great, so what's the problem? And, uh, and he was like, I'm kind of bummed that you didn't even ask me to come. And I was like, seriously? Like, really? Like, you would come to my, like, goofy graduation show? And he was like, yeah, of course I would come to your goofy graduation show. And, uh, you know, yeah, (laughs) aw, and then, uh, he came to my goofy graduation show, and, uh, he, you know, he said the best, that thing that I could have hoped for, which was like, uh, he's like, you actually made me laugh. He's like, I, 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 you actually made me laugh out loud. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Really? All right. Cause I thought he was going to be faking it. And Isabella was sitting with him. She was like, no, you really laughed. And, uh, you know, the rest is, I guess, uh, Carla Okerson comedy history. I just, you know, kind of, am still, you know, working at it, muscling it out, trying to build something, trying to get funnier, trying to keep people laughing, trying to keep people entertained.
0: Well, it's such a, it's such a difficult, um, it's not something that can easily be learned, but you were always a naturally, uh, confident, funny person. In other words, I also
1: feel like I had an internship, like I had a 20-year comedy internship.
0: Yeah, but even from high school, you were, you were never a meek person. You were never, you always had a strong, personality you were not going to back down from anything and and you know that's that was just a quality you possessed whether it came from your upbringing or just something that's in your blood but yeah
1: Lauren, i don't care what you say about my cartel parents
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) let me ask you a question you brought up the b word um what was it like the first time you bombed or uh, did you ever bomb? That should be my I actual have. question. But I, I imagine, he, yeah, it's like saying
1: I have bombed, and uh, it's to me, it's funny, right? Like I don't, uh, I don't, I don't give comedy advice, right? Very, like I don't give like you know pages and pages of comedy advice. I give very, very short. If anyone ever asks me, and one of it, one of the things that I um, that, that I tell people, it was given t- was told to me by Joe Starr, who's been doing this forever. Very, very funny comics. Again, not a household name, but if you're like in comedy, you know him. And uh, and I bombed in in front of him, you know. And he's he killed, he killed. And for some reason, I had to follow him. It was not good. Ah. <laughs> oh. And I I bombed, and I you know he was there, and he kind of like somewhat witnessed it. He wasn't super paying attention, but I think he certainly caught that a lot of my jokes weren't hitting. Um. I maybe. Sometimes, because I, I talk a lot, I fall into, like, doing a little too much crowd work. And if it doesn't hit, you need to be able to dig yourself out of that hole really fast. And I didn't. So I just didn't catch them. And uh, I kind of, like, you know, walked off. And I was like, oh, well, that kind of went bad. And he was like, why? And, uh, and I was like, I don't know. They just didn't like me. He goes, how do you know they didn't like you? You didn't, you know. He's like, they don't know when they're supposed to laugh. If something doesn't hit, just keep going. They have no idea what, when it's supposed to get funny. They have no idea. The only way that they know that you bombed is if you let them know it's going bad and you let them know it was going bad. He's like, you could have just skipped over that first, you know, joke that didn't hit and gone into, he's like, you could have just gone into something, you know, hits every time. He's yeah. like, he's like, instead you chose to try to dig yourself out of that hole. Why? They didn't know. He's like, they're stupid. They don't know. They don't know what you're about to say. They have no idea where you're going with it. And uh, like, that was pretty much, you know, how I handle bombing going forward. You know, if it doesn't hit, I move to something completely different. Like, you guys don't want to hear, like, you know, was that a little too raunchy? You don't want to hear about that? Okay, I, I'll talk about my kids for a while. You guys will like that. You, you want it to be a little more subdued, a little less, you know, you want a little less dick in your face? I can do that. You know, I have <laughs> I have fun, you know, I have fun, slightly less edgy kid stories you're going to like, you know?
0: Man, I, that's it's one of those things I think that probably holds most people who would even think about getting into stand-up comedy or even improv is that 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 thought of bombing that feeling like oh my gosh everyone's looking at me and they are judging me and it's again you've got this personality that you can move past that and not hold on to that which it, it's it's like a superpower that you have to have in order to be a successful stand-up comedian. Cause it, I've seen, I I've seen plenty of comedy shows where especially if I used to go to the comedy cellar all the time when I lived in New York um, and you would see legends just eat their dicks on stage because they're trying out new material. And yeah. it would be funny because you would see somebody that, you know, is like an A list comedian just completely get the whole place groaning, and yeah, it's it, it was always funny because they never they didn't they didn't wear it like oh I bombed. I, they would just keep moving. They'd push through it. Colin Quinn is yeah. is is probably one of the best bombers you'll ever watch live because he will he will try to go places that if you're not uh, you know on your a game as an audience member. If you've had a few drinks, you might get lost in what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And that probably happens to him more than any other comedian that in New York. Um, and and uh, it's pretty Im- uh, impressive to understand that like, I just watch this guy completely, for lack of a better term, make an ass of himself and he'll be up there an hour later doing it again, trying yeah. to tweak it and work it. it it's It's an interesting craft.
1: And that's really the bit. like, that, I think that's the biggest part of, you know, doing stand-up comedy is just getting back out there. Like, if you bomb one time, it's, that's it. That was one time. You know, like, you can't, you, can't hang your, you can't hang your hat on the last time that you did well, and you can't give up the one time or the few times that you didn't do well. You know, every crowd is not your crowd. And, you know, every day you're not on fire. Some people are. I've, you know, there's some people that I'm surprised to hear they ever bombed. And then sometimes, you know, the crowd's just not there with you. I actually I could can I tell you my actually my new favorite bomb story was uh, very recent um it was actually my first time doing comedy after we got you know somewhat listed off of quarantine there was um there's a comedian Ohenny oh, Cornelius very funny um who had a a festival he was starting a festival called smokes and jokes it was a marijuana heavy festival and it got canceled because of the pandemic and then once everything kind of reopened kind of pulled it back together on a few different rooftops in Brooklyn. Right. Mm-hmm. So I go out there and I was told that the show started at five. So me and another comic, we race out there. We we're on Long Island. I had something to do. I was like, I can't leave until four. We haul buns. We get to Brooklyn at like five 15. I'm like, all right, it's going to be fine. Um, the show started at nine. So we were very early, but so was everyone. I don't know where the miscommunication happened. There were a lot of people there. There were a lot of audience people there that were there at five, and it was the Smokes and Jokes Festival, and they were ready with their smoke. They were ready with it. <laughs> so these people are smoking. Like I don't, I don't smoke. I don't, I don't. It just makes me sleepy. But everybody else, they were, they were pulling bongs out of like their backpacks and talking about, you know, joints versus blunts versus, you know, like, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about marijuana that day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The secret art of carving up fruit to make a pipe out of it.
1: Yeah, it it was like, it was like I was there with my own crew of of marijuana sommeliers. They were helping me out. (laughs) But everyone's smoking from basically 5 o'clock till 9.30, because the show even started late for the time that it was supposed to start, right? So we're in Brooklyn. It's before 4. Fourth of July, we're about a block away from the trains, right? Everyone smoked out. And I guess, I'm, I don't know if I was rusty from, you know, not doing it for a few months, or I just had a contact eye, but there's fireworks going off in the background. There's a train, and I'm about three minutes into my set, and I literally just forgot everything. No idea where I was going, no idea what I had just said. I was just like, um, 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 and then at that moment, like, fireworks go off in the background, and I'm like, oh, and then that happened. And then this is happening. All right. All right. And they're just laughing. Because they're on that level. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So it was a total bomb. But at the end, it kind of almost didn't feel like a bomb because they were like, you were so funny. And you just kept going, wow. All right. And they were like, that was hilarious. And I was like, was it, though? Was it?
0: (laughs) It, it it's by the way that is the type of thing why comedy needs to be in front of a live audience like you can watch a comedy special from the best comedians and you know halfway through you're kind of like checking your watch and you're like ah but if you're if you were there in person it's a totally different experience it's like this electricity this this energy being shared between the crowd members and the person on stage and you can't replicate it on a Netflix special as easily. It's a yeah. total, there are some comedians that can, there are some comedians that pull off that medium very well, but there, for the most part, it's always better live. And yeah. I'm, I'm really hopeful that when this starts to turn around, that we can figure out a, a great way to do this because it's a shame that we're sitting here wondering, like there's so many aspects of, of life that are up are in question right now. Um, mm-hmm. and the arts are so important because imagine doing any of this without music, without podcasts, without um, TV, without movies, without Netflix, without any of these things. Imagine if they those didn't exist and you were you imagine it's 1918, what those people went through. Yeah, it, it's kinda, it's kind of it's kind of nuts to to think of um, a world without this stuff, and so to me it's very essential. To me, it it should be something that should be worked on, you know. Instead of saying, "Hey, we're going to pull the cabaret licenses from these clubs that are trying to find safe ways to do it outside," it's like maybe you maybe you should invest in finding ways for people to do things like this safely that are outside, so you can take away the um, So then you won't turn it into a situation where people are just going to do it anyway, and and now they're breaking the law, and maybe they're doing it in a less safe manner.
1: Well, I know Michael Che is doing a couple of things that I thought was, you know, really smart, you know, just in a parking lot, you know, and uh, they're up on a, I think they're up on the back of like a pickup truck kind of stage, and people are, you know, socially distanced in the parking lot, but they have a a good PA system. So you can hear them and everyone's far enough away. You know, I thought that was genius. I know a lot of these, I know there's a, a couple of comics doing them in Astoria J. Nog. I know it's d- done very well in diner parking lots because they have huge parking lots yeah. and they can't, they're not using them for anything. They're not at a hundred percent capacity. So they're doing the same thing. And uh, there's a lot. And you know, I really encourage people. If you see something like that, an outdoor show in your area, you would be surprised the level of comic that you're going to find there because, they're all around. They're all available.
0: Yeah, so and they're they're gonna see, do it because they can't do yeah. anything else.
1: Yeah, so you are gonna see Michael Che for free, and he is gonna bring you know his friends, and you're gonna really get a high level of comic that you wouldn't think you'd be seeing out in a parking lot.
0: Yeah, you know? and they're gonna they're gonna because com- comedy is an art. It's a creative art. Um, they're gonna come up with some new way, something that you they never have done before to apply comedy into a new situation. So there you're going to get like something that didn't exist previously. And that I'm, I'm, you're giving me a lot of hope for comedians out
1: there. Uh, I think, I think we're going to be, my concern would be, you know, what happens, you know, to be very game of Thrones, you know, winter is coming, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's when I would be concerned of what's going to happen to comedy and to live music and, and things like that. Because then, Mm -hmm. You know, Florida, you know, is not in a good place right now. I don't think that come October, November, December, January, I don't think they're going to be ready to do something like that. I don't think they are. I think they're going to be, you know, I think I. I think they're going to be shutting down in a way that they didn't shut down before.
0: It's um, it's quite possible. Then, they might be forced into then, that.
1: You know, so like, you know, all the, when you're talking like places where this could go on during the winter, I don't think they'll be ready for it. And we can't, we can't have an outdoor show here in January in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. It's not gonna, we can't do it.
0: Yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, very difficult to have a parking lot show in under like three feet of gray slush.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even if you know we're talking about okay, well the people are gonna be in the car. Well, where's your comic gonna be? It's freezing to death in a blizzard?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all fun and games, but it's not like people can be drinking at these shows because they're sitting out in a parking lot in a car. Yeah, and so if you're cold and not drinking, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you you bring up a very good point. There there's got to be, uh, you know, I, yesterday I was just it's just random things will show up in your in anyone's YouTube feed, and a rush, the band Rush showed up in my YouTube feed, and it was them playing in like South America, and I swear it was over a hundred thousand people. And I'm watching this with this like feeling of like, will this ever happen again? Are people going to look back at this kind of video of musicians playing in front of hundreds of thousands of people, like a sea of people where you can't even see the end of the people. Um, Is that ever going to happen again? Like, like do we go back to that or are we now just going to be playing to much more intimate things? You
1: know, I, I wonder about that myself because you know, I know that, you know, people talk about the talk of a vaccine, but you know, vaccines, I, I'm not, I am in no way an anti-vaxxer, but vaccines take a long time to develop.
0: Oh, yeah. And the, and the so, ones that when you read about the ones that they're investing in right now, none of these things have been proven to work yet. Any of the, the um, ideas that they have and, and the technologies, they're, they sound good on paper but mm-hmm. none of them have actually proven to do anything with humans yet. So we're taking a lot of bets to try to rush something out the door. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm afraid of, of a scenario where they rush something out the door just to get up this false confidence and they end up killing a lot of people, not because the vaccine kills people, but because it's ineffective and people get this false confidence and try to go back to normal too quickly. Yeah, that's also
1: my concern with schools opening back up. Um, I'm not sure, I I don't know, I don't understand the the parents, I, I guess I kind of understand the not parents who are saying open back, open schools back up and throw everyone back in there, sure, but, you know, I have a, I have a kid going into kindergarten, and I don't see how you get four and five-year-olds to socially distance.
0: No, they don't.
1: They, you know, they hug. They touch each other, you know, they, you know, they're covered in boogers. They're, they're uh-huh. little germ, little germ factories. That's what they do. That's why, you know, before COVID, everyone got, you know, pink eye and, and petigo and cocky virus. <laughs> and yeah. it takes out the whole class for a week. And, and all the uh, parents get it. And all the parents get it. And, you know, that's why teachers have such a great immune system because they get hit with everything every year. Um, But, you know, I don't know why people seem to be so willing to sacrifice children for the sake of the economy yeah i I don't and i don't get that how do you how do you i mean does nobody remember being you know in high school in hallways you know you can't socially distance that they you know they're on top of each other these are these are closed environments you know are they going to have like again we're in new york so are you going to have the windows all the windows open in february
0: yeah it's It's not going to work, but then it's just so difficult. I'm lucky. I'm very privileged in the fact that my kids are old enough. You know, my daughter's in college and my son's going to be a junior in in high school. He's very self-sufficient. The last semester that he he was doing, um, you know, virtual schooling, we didn't hear a peep from him. He never complained. He got all A's. He did fine. He had four AP classes and he passed all of his AP classes like He's like the easiest thing in the world. Like this situation is almost ideal for him, <laughs> and because um, it, it allows him to work at his own pace and and not be held back by other kids, because that's just his mind. That's the way his mind works. Um, but when I look at like my nieces and nephews that are, you know, the, the parents kind of need the they 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 need to work and they need they need that break of kids going to school, like it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for a lot of people, someone with kids your age, um, who, you know, right now, kindergarten, you could probably push it back and and whatnot, but you still got to work. You've got, that was, I hate to say that like, that's your daycare, but in a way it is. I mean, yeah, for a lot of people, for most people that have
1: kids, which is why I don't understand, you know, I, I, I don't understand the government's reluctance to, you know, support, like, the, the Congress and, and, and Senate, support your constituents, you know, through this. That's what I don't understand what the reluctance is. Like, why, you know, and, and I'm not well, look trying at to their donors. trivialize not Yeah, but I'm not trying to trivialize, you know, 9-11, but that was, you know, just under 4,000 lives that we memorialize every year. Mm-hmm. We've already lost you know, well over 150,000 lives. Why, why do these lives not matter?
0: Yeah, it's very scary. Let me ask yeah, you a question world- about your worldview, though. I, I do have a question about that. I'm going to try to steer it a little bit okay. uh, on here. Because <laughs> we could speak for 40 hours straight on everything that's wrong with, with here. But you have a very uh, left of center um, worldview and it's inter- yeah. it's interesting to me uh not well given that where you went to school probably i would imagine a lot of those kids not all of them but a lot of them probably fall right of center um and you were you uh not from where you work but but your interest in comedy tends to be more, I wouldn't say right of center, but the crowd that you tend to fall into, um, you know, that Legion of Skanks crowd, the the Anthony Cumia network, they kind of tend to lean more to the right side, and and you see it a lot on your on your Facebook. A lot of the people commenting on you whenever because you post a lot of fantastic content that is very left leaning, and then you get all this pushback from your fans from comedy. Um, how did you get this worldview? Like wh- where did that start and, and how, how did you get, and, and how do you find yourself living amongst these people that obviously you care about and love that are not in the same, uh, that, that aren't, in, that don't hold the same values?
1: Well, I, I think for me, so a lot, so uh, some of it has to do with college. I went to NYU, which is just generally a very left-leaning institution, Mm-hmm. um, I was in the city for a long time, which New York City tends to be very, very liberal. Um, I, I lived outside of the U.S. I, I did a, a year-long study abroad in France, and I did uh, six months in Switzerland. And it's just very interesting to see, you know, what some of these social democracies have provided for, for their people, right? So why, you know, why are we, we want our kids to, you know, become professionals and, and you know, the American dream is you go to college. Sure. Why are, why are we okay with our kids coming out with $200,000 in debt? Why do we want that? Why do we, why is that not shocking to anyone? Um, why, why are we, why are we comfortable with, especially on Long Island? Like, why are we comfortable with the Hempstead School District? Um, you know, not having enough books, computers, you know, teachers just general you know they don't have enough for their kids but the garden city school district has you know more than enough for all of and they're right next to each other why like why is anyone comfortable with that why do we feel like it's okay why in france do they get you know 6 weeks of vacation if not more but here most jobs if you're in, in working for a corporation they frown on you taking your vacation just parent. oh
0: yeah they get mad
1: yeah, you take your vacation that you're entitled to, and they're pissed. You've earned it. You're entitled to it. They, they hired you, telling you you got whatever it is two, three weeks, one week, whatever. They frown on you taking sick leave.
0: They'd almost, and, there and, are companies that would rather pay you for your time that you didn't take than let you take the time.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like the U.S. has also become very um, anti child. You know, like you, they, they want to be, You know most of the country wants to be against abortion but you don't want to do anything for our kids there's no maternity leave you know maternity leave is something that's frowned upon you know uh if you if you don't come back from maternity leave you know within four weeks everyone you know is like oh you you, you know here we go she's pregnant again like where do you expect our population is going to come from people still get hired under employment contracts where they're allowed to terminate you if you get pregnant You know, that's just—it's—it's it's wild to me. I don't understand that. I don't understand how you know you have Republicans talking about family values and the family and and this and that, but you you won't sign off on the most basic of necessities, maternity leave. You you can't you can't sell a puppy that's less than twelve weeks old, but women are expected to come back to work after four weeks.
0: It's pretty interesting, but there there are some of the points you bring up though that. I, it, and this isn't playing devil's advocate, it's just me through my life exploring all of the different reasons why people subscribe to the different ideologies that they do subscribe to. Um, And some of the situations, you you can point to some of these things that we have where instead of going all in, we legislate things halfway, right? For instance, by guaranteeing student loans for kids, right? But for the, for the U.S. government to say, we're going to guarantee this loan for student loans. Now, their intention was to get more people to go to school because, hey, if you lend these kids that maybe are little, that come from lesser means, we're going to guarantee the loan. So just let everybody go to school and we'll make sure that their loans get paid, right? This is a, this is a situation that happens time and time again in, in our um, government. But the weird opportunistic way that these schools saw that was, well, we can then just raise the rates and the government is going to guarantee that rate and we'll see how far up we can charge people. Before, where, where's the breaking point? If the government's going to guarantee these loans, we're just going to charge... Uh, for a school that used to cost a thousand dollars a semester they're gonna cost ten thousand dollars a semester you know what i'm yeah. saying and that's that's where we run into these problems so and then you kind of understand where some of the more conservative points of view say hey you're making things worse where i think personally I'm like why not make certain levels of education just free and then you won't have yeah. that problem
1: or wh- how about why haven't any why do they make student loans not dischargeable in bank? If you've gotten to a point in your life where you're declaring bankruptcy, then you necessarily can't pay your student loans, right? So you can, you know, you can wipe away $300,000 of credit card debt, but you can't wipe away $100,000 of student loans.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, but that's the problem that, that, that right there is the problem why education is so expensive right now is because the government has guaranteed they're going to, they're going to pay it back. And instead of you know, instead of following the spirit of why that exists, they're like, how can I get mine?
1: But what That's, that's almost my point, is why are we comfortable with that? We're, and why we, we are we angry? Be. And why as a country do we get angry that poor people exist? Why are we angry, you know, so they want to talk about welfare fraud, which is, you know, a half of a percentage of people on welfare. Why do you want to attack people for not having enough money to feed their kids? How about we work on making it so they can feed their kids, making it so their kids have, you know, Head Start education programs that are fully funded by the state or by the federal government so now they can go and work or, you know, they can go to a trade school or they can do something. So why, instead of attacking them for not having money and needing money from the government, why aren't we just providing for them and helping? We have the money. Right. We have the money. Like, why are we allowing people to go into bankruptcy and lose everything because they got sick?
0: We're learning through this pandemic, by the way, that in, in a situation where uh, where it's needed, we have the ability to make sure that everyone's provided for. Yes, like We exactly. prove that it can happen. And, and I understand the danger of, hey, people are never going to want to go back to work again if you just keep giving them what they want. And I'm like, that's not true. That's simply not true. People want to do something, people are always going to want to do more. And if you give them the freedom to be able to do what they, they want to excel at, you're going to have a more productive society. And I think, uh, you know, we made that point clear at the beginning of this podcast today when we were talking about like, Hey, the whole reason I started this podcast is because now I have the time to do it. I had the means, blah, blah, blah. Here's an excuse to get, to get off, you know, to get something new going. Um, and you're talking about how comedians are finding new ways to get out there and do their craft, because they have to, they want to. Just because their financial needs might be met temporarily um, doesn't mean they don't want to go do the, that, that they don't want to work, that they don't want to do stuff. And I think there's this big fear that like if if everyone has everything they need, then no one's going to want to work. And I'm like, that's just not true. You know, nobody would ever clean their own house if that was the case.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, there is something to be said for, you know, if your basic needs are met, then you can do other things. Right. Right. And I think also, you know, going back to what I said, like a lot, you know, I was a criminal defense attorney for a long time. And I think, you know, people want to attack people that have been arrested, you know, very specifically, you know, drug dealers, right? They're like all these crack dealers and they're selling heroin and they're doing this and these young kids are gang members. You know, they're not born with a silver spoon in their mouth, and then they decide they want to go onto the corner and sell crack. They their basic, their most basic needs are not being met. They don't have food. They don't have shelter. They didn't have an education. They have literally nothing else to do. There's nothing else that they can do, so they have to do something.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, and now
1: we're punishing them, and we're paying upwards of fifty thousand dollars a year to house them in jail. When we could have just done that from the outset. We could have done that with social programs. We didn't have to do this. We don't have to break apart families. We don't have to take people outside of society for 20 and 30 years and put them in a box. We can do other things. Other countries have proven that we can do other things.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, so th- that uh, this goes back to you find yourself now in a situation where you're kind of surrounded by a lot of people who are disagreeing with you um but you still love them and you still work with them you still they're like your brothers and sisters type of thing
1: well some of them right (laughs) so some of them because so there so there there has been i guess uh i guess people have said that i'm that i'm mean that i'm known for being mean to people but i don't see, I think, you know, I, I actually get made fun of a lot for saying, you know, like it's internalized misogyny and it's internalized misogyny and it's internalized misogyny but I feel like that's the case. Like so because I feel a certain way and, you know, you want to disagree with me and I make my point and then you attack me personally and then I come at you harder. Now I'm the mean one? How am I the mean one? Why aren't you the mean one for coming at me in the first place?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's pretty interesting to watch how you interact with people? Because a lot of times you're like, wait, does she know this
1: person? <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's funny. Somebody actually recently reached out to me asking me something about getting a gun permit in Nassau County. Right. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, uh, I'm a member of the gun range at, uh, Freeport, but some of my friends are, you know, gun enthusiasts and I use their stuff. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a weapon. And this guy was like, What? He's like, I've seen people threaten you on Facebook and on Instagram. How do you not ever a? I'm like, I'm not gonna shoot some idiot. They're never gonna come find me.
0: Yeah, and, they, and if they came to find you, most of the time they would just end up liking you and talking to you.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's the same thing. I'm like, all these people I think I'm so mean and I'm so horrible because I stood up for myself. You know, when they actually meet me, they're they're fine. Like, why? You know, and people are like, well, you should be nicer. Like, why should I be nicer? Why, why is it my responsibility to be nice to people? I don't even know who let's be real are not even being nice to me. They're coming at me telling me I'm an idiot. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm a libtard. I'm a, you know, the less creative ones. I'm a bitch. (laughs) Okay. And now it's my responsibility somehow to be nice to you and invite you over for tea and bake you some muffins. Why?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you you're you're facing an uphill battle because not only are you on the the left of center uh political sphere in a comedy world which is very and should, not all comedy obviously but you kind of find yourself in the, or at least when i kind of uh see how what comedians you're kind of grouped in with they definitely tend to be the more like the Kurt Metzgers, which is not, he's not, I wouldn't even call him a right wing guy, but these are guys that are, you know, social justice, social justice warriors would not enjoy a lot of the comedians that you are lumped in with.
1: Well, there is, there also is something to be said about, um, you know, just letting them say what they're going to say. I know recently, right. recently, um, you know, Skanks has come under fire and people are saying they're Nazis and they're misogynists and uh, they're, they're probably called the
0: Legion of Skanks. They're yeah, not they're, they're probably not putting misogynist. out <laughs> they're not putting out a, a but the, but when you listen to them talk, you realize they're just kind of goofy guys that yeah. are having first fun.
1: All, yeah, first of all it's two Jewish guys in a Puerto Rican, right? So I don't know if Nazis are really gonna Nazis really gonna cover what's going on there. They're just talking. I know Metzger has gotten into some trouble for just talking. And, and I understand what's going on there. I understand what's going on there. And I've had it happen to me. And it's it's very much. So there, there's some, like, there's left. And then there's, like, social justice warriors. And then there's just people who are excited to jump on anything you say. Right? Uh, the the so take it out of context
0: say, type of people. Yeah,
1: and whatever you say is, you know, now, now they're just going to jump all over it. And they're going to group you in wherever they want to group you in. But you're not allowed to say anything. Right. You 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 really aren't. So I I've been pretty, you know, outspoken about police reform. And I've tried to I've tried now going forward. I try to not, say, defund the police, restructure the police, you know, however, because I don't believe there shouldn't be a police force. But I think that there need to be certain changes. Yeah. They they shouldn't have so many.
0: They shouldn't have so many responsibilities.
1: Yeah. They should be more, more focused. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's a lot to be said for how much power they've been given um there doesn't really seem to be any kind of a system of checks in place um i think that you know there just needs to be a restructuring you know defund the police sounds it it makes sense to me but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story it's poorly
0: worded yeah the the term is is poorly worded
1: right so like i then i get a lot of stuff where like well you hate all cops i'm like well no but i think that you know the good cops should be the first in line to correct the bad cops and they're not. And that's because this, you know, this wall of silence has been fostered. This, you know, it, it, it it acts more like a fraternity, like a college fraternity Mm -hmm. than an organization that's meant to protect and serve. And I think if you incorporate other professions into what you want to call a police force, if you want to talk about, you know, you know, People want to, like, make fun of, you know, think like, oh, yeah, well, what are they going to do when they send a social worker out to this particular situation? Social workers do go into that situation. They do. Yeah. They're not cops, but there are emergency social workers that get sent in, you know, to domestic disputes when it's, you know, when maybe they should have a police escort, but they don't. And they're trained to defuse the situation. They're trained to come in and offer some kind of assistance. They're trained to come in and offer some kind of counseling you know, maybe they come in, you know, ready with something, you know, they they have training I don't have. Maybe you refer them to family counseling. Maybe you bring, you know, people out to a woman's shelter. And now, you know, the situation has been diffused for a few days. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of things that can be done. And and I don't understand why, you know, you, you there's no, people want to attack you without letting you go any further into, the into the conversation. Yeah, yeah I know that uh, specifically with Kurt, I remember at one point he got into a lot of shit because some, you know, somebody was accusing someone else of rape. I think it was, you know, at uh, I don't remember actually, I don't remember if it was at a comedy club or, you know, at uh, one of the improvs or something. And his position was like, you know, maybe maybe we we wait and I mean, I obviously he worded it a lot more strongly, but maybe wait and see before we take this person down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was a rapist and a rape apologist and a rape enthusiast. And
0: <laughs> I'm seeing that a lot in uh, across different creative forms. Um, and
1: and I and I do believe women. I do. And of course, but at, the same <laughs> time, but at the same time, I do believe that there should be some sort of, you know, justice. There should be something. You know.
0: Yeah. There's a reason why you can't. You can't function. You can't like participate in a cancel culture and then also think that it's a good idea to defund the police without thinking to yourself wait the reason why we want to quote unquote defund the police for lack of a better term is because they shouldn't be the judge jury and the executioner they they shouldn't be they shouldn't have that kind of power but meanwhile you'll take that kind of power on yourself when you see a clip of something taken out of context and apply it to somebody and and then yeah it, it, there's no they don't apply the philosophy on the police towards themselves which is you know maybe you should let there be some sort of due process and find out what actually happened because there are unfortunately more cases than not where yeah the guy did do something fucked up but there are enough cases of of a woman using the power of that kind of cancel culture to to hurt somebody improperly and if it, like, I'm sure the numbers are like eight or nine to one <laughs> of that half of, you know I'm saying? It's mostly, yeah, the guy was a scumbag. Yeah, but but for like, that, so
1: they believe women, but investigate the men. But
0: for, before, Yeah, for the one Johnny the Depp, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The one case of the Johnny Depp where it turns out, hey, Johnny Depp really wasn't a scumbag, you know? Yeah. But everyone was ready to to cancel. The same thing with like understanding the idea of somebody who has paid their dues or done their time, like a Joey Diaz, to sit there and pull one of his stories where he talks about things he did in his past. It's like, hello, he went to prison for that. This guy jokes about this stuff and talks about these stories of things and all of the awful things. That was a guy that's gone and dead and buried. It's not the same person who's talking to you now and, and, and sharing those stories. So to like when they tried to cancel that guy... It was pretty funny to see how many women came forward in his defense.
1: Well, I, also think it's, I also think it's, you know, a big part of cancel culture that, that has never made sense to me is, you know, when, you know, these the internet sleuths go in and they decide that they're going to dig up a tweet from, you know, 2010. And they're like, oh, yeah, see, see what he did, see what she said. And it's like, well, you know, is there any room for personal growth? Yeah. Is there any?
0: That person doesn't exist. I mean, if you live in a, if you're living in the now, you have to understand that people have learned. There are a ton of people who, from watching this George Floyd tape, have Mm -hmm. done a complete 180 on their view of police brutality. And that's a good thing. Little late in the game, but it's understandable because they, it's happened so many times and like they see this. It's black and white. You can see what's going on. This person is murdering someone right in front of you. And people have changed their mind. There's so many people changed their mind. And so for you to say, hey, um, Jim from down the block used to think like all these black dudes were lying about getting killed by cops. But now he's like changed his mind. But if you pull up a tweet from him from five years ago and hold that person from five years ago to the same standard of the guy who he is now. That's not fair to the person who he is now he has learned he is he is, he has is figu- he has been educated <laughs> so to speak
1: yeah judge me as I am, not as I was <laughs>
0: yeah it, it's it's a pretty um it, and it's this weird thing of you're not allowed to work like because you were stupid at some point like if i if I were able if there were Twitter or Facebook when we were younger, I'd be so screwed like when oh, testosterone you know was flowing and like stupidity was rampant and you know underage drinking was a thing and like the the decisions you make as a child the things you said to people there are things i think about that i have said to people and i'm like i wonder if that if i like really truly hurt someone's feelings or affected somebody from a bad decision i made and like i wouldn't even and i probably don't even know you know and like now these kids are growing up and they've got documented proof of every stupid decision they've made and every dumb thing they've ever said. It's, it's pretty awful.
1: Yeah, and it sucks. You, there's no room for error anymore. You can't, you, you know, you can't misspeak. I, I feel very bad for Joe Biden. You know, as somebody who's definitely like, you know, thought, been trying to get something out and stuttered or said the wrong word or, you know, now it's like you literally can't misspeak. As soon as you misspeak, it's like, oh, well, he said blah, 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 blah. And it's like, all right, you know, give him a second to correct himself.
0: You know what's something funny about an interesting thing about Joe Biden and and I I try to tell people this because he doesn't he he's a lifelong stutterer. Like he actually suffers from severe stuttering. It's something he deals with and he's overcome, but when you see him he he is very uncomfortable public speaking. Um and and he has a hard time speaking. Like that's he he's if you look up Joe Biden stuttering He's like the spokesperson for like the National Stuttering Foundation or something like that. But he doesn't ever talk about it. He doesn't lean on it and say like, this is why I'm talking like this. This is why I, mean, I make all these flaws.
1: I never heard that before and I didn't know that. And now that makes a lot more sense. Yeah,
0: he's he, he's somebody who, who stutters and that's just part of who he is. And he's never let it hold him down and he's never focused on it. But I, I, I always wondered why. I'm always like, why doesn't he just, Explain to people like, "Hey, I've got this stuttering issue. If I misspeak or if I fumble over my words, this is why it's not dementia. Because you can find tape of Joe Biden stumbling over his words his whole career. It's not an old age thing. So that always gets me annoyed about <laughs> like attacks on Biden. I'm like, just
1: wow. I really, I really wish I had known that. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna I should share it
0: know, on on uh, social media. You really media. should. Like,
1: you really should. I would, uh, you know, I would like to share that too because." I, I, there are so many times when he said something, and I'm like, okay, he's literally he misspoke. You yeah. know, this this happens to all of us all of the
0: time. Yeah, and he's just dealt with. it. he's he's learned how to he's learned how to push past it, which is fantastic. It's um, stuttering is one of those weird things where it still gets laughed at laughed about. It's like a disability that people will make fun of still, and it's still kind of okay to make fun of. It's hard to for people to take it seriously. Still, there's no like, there's no big movement to to stop making fun of stuttering.
1: Yeah, especially because the president we have makes fun of other people with disabilities. So it's not, you know. But at least I think if it came out more, if it was, you know, if it was more, I literally never heard that. If it was more widely known, then I think there'd be less, you know, people going, "Oh, well, he's he's senile. He doesn't even know what he's saying." I'm like, no, give him a minute. You know, the king of England had a stuttering problem. He he muscled it out. It was a whole movie. It was oh, yeah, a whole I remember ass that movie. movie about
0: it. <laughs> yeah, he. It, I, I just. I. I kind of wish. I kind of wish people would uh, listen to the content because the same thing. I mean, they give the benefit of the doubt to to Trump as far as they try to listen to what he's saying because if you try to decipher the words when you take the words that are coming out of his mouth and you put them on paper, you're like, is does this person speak English? as their first language like it doesn't even makes sense but people can follow along and figure out what he's trying to say and but they don't like to give the benefit of the doubt to someone else so eh, what are you gonna do all right so i'm gonna try to wrap this up here we've kind of gotten off into a lot of cool conversations and i'm i'm grateful that we did but i want a
1: lot i'm sorry if you were trying to keep this to like 45 minutes i should have warned you no, I'm, I'm happy to, uh,
0: there's no rules here. Yeah, I'm still feeling out what my whole format is. Um,
1: See, I, I can flap my yap for like four hours if you,
0: uh, <laughs> if you let me go. Well, I, I wanted to, so if I search your name, you, you don't have a website, do you?
1: I don't. I actually need to, you know, it's one of those things that like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not tech savvy and... I need to do that. I need to build a website. I actually, like, I, I discussed this briefly with Amy. Like, I, I had these big goals to do, like, a, a weekend vacation in South Carolina so I could get you to do my headshots and take the girls around. And, like, I don't know. I had so many, like, big plans. I really should have just learned how to do a website during the pandemic while we were quarantined. I so, should have done that, but I need to do that.
0: <laughs> well, so, so, so the best way to for people to find you, honestly, is through either your Facebook or your Instagram, right?
1: Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. I don't Twitter very much, but I feel like I'm moving away from Facebook. It's happening because I just have gotten so many... I feel like... Am am I wrong about this? Does Facebook just make you too accessible somehow?
0: Um, I think because by design, it was set up so that you could actually uh, befriend the people you know in real life and your family, Mm -hmm. that it became very much like that kind of relationship of people you actually know. And then when people from outside of that can look in, it's, it starts to feel a little creepy. And then when the avatar advertisers and things like that, and the algorithms kind of manipulate who can see you and you just, it, it's very odd. It, it, it seems to be a lot more toxic lately. Um, and I have definitely, I go on there, like I'll go in there just like, go in for a second to post something that I'm promoting or something like that, or, you know, to look at a group that I might be a part of and then get out. And I spend more time on Instagram because it's highly curated of things I actually care to see if I've got to experiment it. So I, I do think that Instagram, even though it's all the same company, which is so sad, I wish it was still separate, <laughs> but yeah. Instagram is definitely a lot less of a stressful uh, experience
1: yeah, I just feel like uh, <laughs> this is going to This is the sick new reality. I'm just tired of all the threats I get on Facebook. Like enough already. I get it, you know.
0: Do you get a lot of sexual things because you're a woman too? Do you get the, like?
1: Um, I was outing people for a little while there, and then um, you know, like I was posting. Like, I Facebook shut me down recently. Screenshotting. Not shut me down, but like I tried to. I I it Like I used to get these like really crazy dick pics. And I started like posting them <laughs> and then one of them was like really explicit and Facebook was like, I can't post this. And I was like, why, but why can he, why can this like literally nobody can send me a picture of his junk and I can't post it on my page? Right. Why not?
0: It's just you one know, of those things that know. most dudes don't have to like deal with. It's like a whole side <laughs> of the internet that uh, most men have no idea exists. Like if you're a female on social media, you're getting unsolicited dick pics and it's like Why is that okay?
1: (laughs) Decided that that's... I mean... And I mean, some of these dicks really, like...
0: Yeah, you're like, why?
1: You guys should be ashamed of yourselves, really. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Like, I mean, at least put your best dick forward. You know what I mean? Like, isn't this like a job interview? Like, your CV? Like, you really want, you know... Shouldn't it be like, you know, the firm handshake when you walk in the door of a job interview? This is the first impression I'm gonna get on you. You're gonna post this sad, little, untrimmed, half- Flaccid dick.
0: Come on. You yeah, better. it's it. Well, yeah. someone's <laughs> got to come up with a good movie or a, like a good script or a TV series or something where women will get an unsolicited dick pic and say, "Oh, that's nice. Let's go on a date and like film the date and just see how that goes." Or, may, you know, what I'm saying like just because there's nobody's ever gotten a date from sending a dick pic unsolicited. It's never I mean, happened. It
1: would have to be the most extraordinary dick. And even
0: still, you'd be like, "This is your opening line. This is what you have to offer." Yeah, it's still
1: weird. It's still weird, but like, I mean, I don't think I would. But yeah. I guess you know, if you're like, you know, I don't know. I just think it's a weird. It's a weird start.
0: I, I'd like to know it's if anyone has, has anyone ever gotten into a relationship with somebody who just sent them like an yeah. inappropriate message on social media, like totally unsolicited. There's got really to be one
1: there must be one, but I really also never, and it has to, it probably was like a really, like a killer dick pic. It has to really be, you know, a
0: piece of art. It
1: has to really be like, you know, this person has to be the Ansel Adams of dick pics. (laughs) It has to have like lighting and like, you know, probably black and white if I have to guess. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And yeah, the angle has to be just right. And there has to be some some sort of of
1: body waxing involved.
0: And there has to be something in there to, like, gauge size. So there's, like, a G.I. Yeah, Joe figure like standing next to it. You know
1: it's just, yeah, so you know it's not a scam. <laughs> it has to be, like, not too big, but not too little. Like, not too big that it would be intimidating. You know, it's really, like, the Goldie Cox of pictures, if you will.
0: <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I don't imagine. Like, can you imagine, like, getting that, the, the perfect dick pic gets sent to you? And like how long does it take for you to like do you respond? Do you do you like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect dick pic. Let's go out. Like, what's what's the MO on their part? Like, are they trying I mean, to get for, a date?
1: I don't know. For me, it would really be more like, Wow, this is the perfect dick pic. Can we talk about like what, like, what did you do? Like, I really would be more fascinated. Like, what did you do here? Like, clearly, this wasn't a quick snap. Like, how long did it take you to, like, pose? Like, you know, to Can get yourself all, like, <laughs> yeah, like did, I, like, did you, like, you know, set everything up and then get yourself all chubbed up? Like, is this a filter? You know, like, this is great. Like, how long did it take? I want the backstory to this picture. If you, were to, if you have the perfect dick pic, I want the backstory. And that might make me you know, interested in you. If they can make. turn it
0: around and give you like the best
1: tur- uh, yeah. representation if, if of some- how they
0: crafted it.
1: Yeah. And if somebody was like, you know, I just thought, like, I heard you talking about how these, you know, dick pics were all lame and then I sat here and I crafted a background and I had a timer and I got a really great camera and, you know, I took weeks of pictures. I took weeks of pictures and then, you know, I did this, I did that. I, you know, I got a, a wax, I waxed so I trimmed my stuff down and, you know, then I, You know, I did some more sit-ups on my abs would pop. And all of this was because you said that we don't put effort into it. And now I'm sending it to you. I would be like, wow, that is a thoughtful dick pic.
0: So Carla, what you're (laughs) saying is your ideal guy is somebody with a passion for anything. Just somebody with (laughs) enough passion to put the time and effort to make something work for them.
1: Yeah, put your best dick forward is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, see, gentlemen, like, it's all you have to do. It doesn't even have to be a dick pic. Just show (laughs) some sort of determination and skill. Show some
1: effort and some creativity. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone can just take a picture
0: of their schlong, you know? Too easy. I think think we're on (laughs) to something, though. Like, the the quest (laughs) for the perfect dick pic, you know?
1: Like, um... Like, this could really take your photography career to another level.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, you've heard of headshots. <laughs> now we've got yep. headshots.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it's, that, that would be... you got to imagine the type of person, though, that would put that type of effort in it. It's not the type of person who's sending out dick pics.
1: Yeah, no. Unfortunately. I feel like you put that, I like you put that effort in... like when you're already like halfway in and you're like, I think this girl may ask for a dick pic. So I like, I feel like I have her interest. And if she asks for one, right. If she's like, Oh, we should exchange nudes. I don't want her to be like, Oh, is that what you have? Thanks. Like, I just want her to be impressed. Like, like we're already hitting it off. We're already talking. Now I'm going to send her this. And I like, you know, I really want to reel her in at this point. It's got to look great. You know, like a
0: headshot, <laughs> exactly. <Like, laughs> yeah. Well, the headshots definitely. There's, there's a lot of, there's, it's an, there's an art to it. There's a lot of, of, um, breaking down the person and making sure, you know, you've got a, a definite thing you're going for, because someone's going to look at this picture and make an instant judgment. So you got to make sure their expression isn't like phony. It's not creepy. There, there's a whole lot of psycho psychological things going into like the look that someone's giving you in a headshot. So the same thing could be said about a a, a quality dick pic. Yeah. You know?
1: I think there's, you know what? I think there's a real market for this. I think there's a real market for this because let me tell you something, the trash that I get sent, (laughs) it's not getting anybody a first Fluorescent
0: lighting, so it looks like it's got gangrene.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some weird, some weird, like weird coloring issues, like some Neapolitan dicks come through. I don't know what that's about.
0: (laughs) Does this guy got vitiligo on his dick.
1: Yeah. Holy shit! I put a little, throw a little makeup on there. He's got a, he's got Out a there. map
0: of like some South American country on here.
1: Yeah, what is that? Yeah, you should they, see my dermatologist. That's <laughs> not normal. <them.
0: laughs> I don't think the vein should be girthier than the rest of the cock. I, I just don't. That something's wrong here. There, there's yeah. disproportion going on. Yeah, it's. It's one of those uh, odd things. No women send out clip pics by the way, unsolicited. It doesn't happen. And if they if you get something, if you get a picture from a woman and it's like this beautifully professional picture, you know it's just some dude who stole a picture online and is trying to scam you out of something.
1: Yeah, it's I, like you know again, I I don't send I don't send like news because I don't really see what's the point. Like like you really you want to see like like you want, like, I, the same thing. I like, you really want to just see the inner workings of my, uh, my snooter? Really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why?
0: <laughs> yeah. It, well, I, I think men are very visual in that, in that aspect. And maybe that's why they think you want to see their dick is because they think, like, well, I would like someone to send me this. So why don't they want to see this? Meanwhile, women are like, yeah, thanks for the info.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, it's just.
1: That's a no. It's yeah. going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah, but
0: it would be an interesting uh, script to find the one guy who's gotten, like, who's met the love of his life because he sent an unsolicited dick pic. You know, his quest for love through being a fucking creep.
1: <laughs> you know what, like, uh, my, uh, a thing I actually talk about in my set, which I, you know, kind of learned by accident, is uh, airdrop dick pics. Airdrop dick pics. Okay, that, that's a that's New York thing, at? by
0: the way. That's definitely a New York thing because I haven't seen that happen here, but it, oh really? Well, because I just don't think people would even think you, you're not in a crowded situation where it's not like you're sitting in subway cars or in really crowded places or in a building where like you're in enough Bluetooth range to to pick up other people's airdrop on a regular. So oh yeah,
1: no. I guess you're right because I've only gotten them on the subway and Penn Station and the Long Island Railroad.
0: Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a thing where somebody's on the car in, in the train, maybe in your car or the next car over, and they just open up AirDrop and see who has it turned on. And next thing you know, you're looking at at deformed dick pics,
1: which is to me is hilarious because also a lot of like AirDrop dick pics don't come with like you know, any kind of a return address, nothing, like, it's like, say something, say, hey, hi, you know, like, I'm in the same train car, it's just like a dick, so it's like, even if I wanted to, like, you know, once I get off the train, it's over.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you can't even hold it up, because if you hold it up and be like, whose dick is this? Now you're the asshole.
1: Yeah, now, yeah, all of a sudden, now I'm the asshole. Whose dick is this, you dick? (laughs) Who did this? Shame.
0: I guess maybe that could be the f- way you could find out, though. you could just be like, whoever sent out that picture, I'm interested. And then yeah. see if anyone approaches you. And then just be like, are you f- fucking real? <laughs> Can I talk to you for a minute and find out? And there you go. And then you've got like, to What plot. is wrong with you? That's what would your a- mom think? Yeah, that's either a plot to a really good comedy or a horror movie. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, don't Yeah, probably know. a
1: horror movie. That's definitely how you get murdered. Yeah. It's, 100% it's, is how you get murdered.
0: We've been watching too many weird movies lately. There's been a couple of them. Uh, We just watched The Rental, which is like an Airbnb uh, kind of slasher type of movie. And uh, meanwhile, I'm sitting here telling my wife right before we watch it, I'm like, hey, can we go rent a house on the beach since even though we live by the beach, we can't go to the beach because they limit the parking and everyone that's at the beach is from out of town and it really sucks to live near the beach and not be able to use the beach. Oh wow! That's yeah, it, it's it's kind of it's one of the things we're dealing with here in in uh, the Charleston area. Anyway, that same day we watched this movie about like an Airbnb <laughs> and somebody spying on them and killing them. And yeah, um, uh, mm, I don't know.
1: I try we're not to watch too many of those movies because I'm already like I you know. I, I weirdly feel more comfortable in the city or like in more densely populated areas. Like, you know, when, if I have to, if I have to run back out to my car, my street is totally quiet. If I have to run back out to my car, it's like, do I really need that? Do I need it? Need it? If it's like 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, do I need it? And then if I do, like, it's a sprint out the door to the car and a sprint back in and then I like slam the door. Cause I'm like, this is definitely like, you know, quiet streets are where I feel like, you know, serial murders really do what they do like, oh, yeah. i can't hear shit from my neighbor's house like i don't know what's going on across the street man you know like someone's gonna sneak in someone's gonna be hiding in my bushes i'm gonna be murdered and my neighbors won't know about it until you know three days later when they want to complain that my grass hasn't been mowed
0: <laughs> all right carla i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up now because i'm gonna let you get to your your wonderful children Thanks
1: so much for having me on
0: thank you for coming on because I, I i'm you know, I'm I'm realizing how many people I know that do have creative um, pursuits in their life, and they're in all different phases of it, and I love it because, uh, like we said earlier, there's that string that's that's pulling you into this thing, and there's no there's no rationality behind it. You have to do it. Uh, it's bringing you happiness. It's bringing other people happiness. It's your connection to certain, to, it's a way for you to connect with people in, in a very unique way. That's all you. Um, and I, I'm, we're all happy that you're doing this.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad I was able to, you know, make you and Amy
0: laugh. <laughs> I was, I oh, was, was such an exciting part of that trip. I was just like, I,
1: I can't wait. We're going
0: to, A, we're going to get to go to a comedy show, but we're going to know, uh, you know, one of the people performing and it's just going to be fantastic. And you know, my, my wife's, a, she has a harder time with some, some comedy shows. Cause she's not an easy audience and she had a great time that night.
1: Oh, she, I'm thrilled.
0: Yeah. she is a very critical, uh, <laughs> audience member. She will not give up a laugh just to be like uncomfortable or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like she is completely stoic unless she's truly like, laughing so she she was completely impressed by your set um the whole night was great but your set was you know she was like damn Carla's is funny uh so (laughs) that's because you're funny all right so instagram what's your handle
1: uh at carla okerson um facebook also at carla okerson and for the rare times that i tweet it's at carla esq
0: that's the that's the lawyer speak
1: yeah, at Carla Esq. But I think it works for both because it's like it's Carla-esque. Like you don't want a lot of Carla sometimes. Sometimes you just want a little Carla, like a Carla-esque moment. Aww. You don't want so much Carla.
0: <laughs> well, I think everyone needs to get as much Carla as they can take. Uh, because Not it'll that make much. the world Well, it'll it make the world a little bit uh, funner and uh, more compassionate place. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks so much.